0: Welcome to Southview stories, memorable stories from the leaders and best. I'm here with Mason. Say, Hey, Mason. Hey, Mason. I wanted to take a quick second to thank all of you that have been listening for the feedback that you've been so kind to take some time to tell us about. We appreciate your patience as we figure out uh, sound levels and what works best for the podcast. So thanks for bearing with us and please keep the feedback coming as we are still learning what works and what doesn't work and trying to get better. Our guest on this week's episode is Dr. Alua Ferenmi Okanlami. And Dr. Okanlami, otherwise known as Dr. O, uh, or Ferenmi, is an impressive, impressive person. Not only a a professor and physician, but also the director of adaptive sports at Michigan Medicine. And uh, this conversation was eye-opening and memorable, to say the least. Uh, We had a great conversation about his background and what he's wor- what he's working on, what he's championing in the community of adaptive sports. Just a quick note, uh, we recorded this back in 2019, uh, and you'll notice we have some conversations about Michigan and Alabama. Uh, we did not know at the time that we'd be playing Alabama in a bowl game uh, in, two, in 2020, so, Our conversations around football in that regard may seem a little bit off and now you know why. I also wanted to note that if you have a second, take a look at the episode notes because I'm going to link a very uh, well done, impressive video and it's well done because it was on Good Morning America with Robert Roberts uh, about Dr. O and his story and I was extremely honored to be able to also talk to him about his story but check out this video because you can see, uh, see him in action there. But before we get started, just a quick uh, shout out to our sponsors, Underground Printing. Uh, Underground Printing is your go-to place for custom printed apparel. We're running some great specials right now, so check us out at undergroundshirts.com. I also want to do a shout out to State and Liberty. uh, High-end, well-fit, well-performing men's clothing. Uh, I'm wearing a State and Liberty shirt right now, actually. So uh, check them out at stateandliberty.com. Uh, Discount code SOUTHU. And finally, Destination Ann Arbor, doing great things for the Ann Arbor community. And you can visit them at AnnArbor.org. And now, Dr. O. Alright, we're here today with Dr. Alua Fermi Okanlami, also known as Fermi or Dr. O. Uh, You'll probably hear him mostly called Dr. O uh, in the context of what we're here to talk about, but uh, I want to thank you first off for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it, Dr. O. Thanks for having me. And we are here in Destination Ann Arbor offices where, uh, alongside being a sponsor and graciously allowing us to, to record here, this is where we first met and where I first heard your story uh, what you're passionate about and what you're, uh, you you know, speaking out about a spokesperson for. And when I heard you speak here in these offices, I, uh, I I knew I had to hear more about it and and have you on the podcast. So, uh, thanks for coming. I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, kind of growing up, how you started and, and your journey.
1: Yeah, so thanks for, for having me, Rishi, and also thanks to Destination Ann Arbor for allowing us to, to use this space. That was very nice of them. Now, this being the second time here, you know, the first time we were having a conversation about the potential for adaptive sports in the Ann Arbor community. Right. Now, when most people hear the phrase adaptive sports, they're not even quite sure what that really means. And I'll start off by saying that I didn't even know what they meant until about six years ago myself. So, to take you back, before six years ago. My family is originally from Nigeria. Both of my parents were physicians. We came to the States for my parents to pursue postgraduate education, and they did work at Johns Hopkins, Georgetown, and Howard University in the Baltimore, Washington area. We then came over here to the Midwest to Indiana where my parents took their faculty appointments there I went to school in Indiana I actually went to elementary school and church with someone who a couple months ago people probably didn't know but now if I said the name Mayor Pete Buttigieg mm. most people know who that is is a, a good friend of mine that I grew up with in, in Indiana um, so I that then, that Pinpoints it to South Bend, right? Pinpoints it to South Bend, so that's that's where I was. And after that, I ended up going to high school in Western Massachusetts or went to boarding school. There, I mean, I've played sports all my life. I played basketball, soccer, lacrosse, track, tennis. And I ended up going to Stanford University for college, where I tell people that I went to school for school, but I also just happened to be on the varsity track team. And I competed all four years, was captain of the team my last two years, and almost went to the Olympics. Amazing. So instead of sort of pursuing more of a professional athletics life. I went directly to medical school at the University of Michigan and continued playing intramural sports and staying active while I was in medical school and then chose a specialty that a lot of people consider it sports medicine, even though there's a lot more to orthopedics than just sports medicine. But I went into orthopedic surgery and I matched into my residency at Yale in Connecticut. It was in my third year of residency at Yale that I actually experienced a spinal cord injury from a pool accident, diving into a pool on July 4th. And I broke my neck and was paralyzed from my chest down with very minimal use of my upper extremities. Now, I was blessed to have a lot of my friends and colleagues that were orthopedic surgery, general surgery, residents that were there with us at this function. And they sprang to action, helped me out, pulled me out of the pool, put me on the side of the pool, stabilized my C-spine, and got me to the ER quicker than I'd ever seen done before. And so I really credit a lot of them for the rapidity with which they were able to get me cared for.
0: And do you think that due to that situation, it helped with your recovery, your prognosis at that time?
1: You know, I, I think that every little peace counts yeah. you know you can never really know what specific event had what impact mm-hmm. but i know for for 100% certainty that they did so in such a quick way that I'd be hard pressed to say it did not have a direct impact and how quickly I was able to get cared for and how quickly I was decompressed and fused because I ended up having my first surgery that that day in the hands of one of my friends and colleagues, a neurosurgeon who did my first surgery and my second surgery. So not to focus on the sort of the medical aspect of this, but had surgeries at Yale, did inpatient rehab, and then I went back to the Midwest to Chicago at a place that was then called the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago. It's now the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. And that's where I did my acute inpatient rehab. There is where I was introduced to adaptive sports. Hmm. Now, adaptive sports are sports for individuals with any sort of mobility impairment, spinal cord injury, cerebral palsy, muscular dystrophy. You have an amputation, anything that makes it such that you need some sort of modification or adaptation to play sports. Right? And
0: is this a term that you would, you would classify as something that's come around fairly recently? It's not something that I, I think I knew about growing up or even in college.
1: I had not heard that term. So I would say this is not a new term. It's and not it, an new term. And it's not. It's just the fact I'm that I'm just people, ignorant. Well, not not you. I think it's, it's the, the, the world, to be honest. So okay. the Paralympic movement. Many people by now know about the Paralympics. Right. right. Right? So the Paralympic movement is to adapt to sports as the Olympics are to other sports. Mm. Right? And one important factor to discuss right now is that with Tokyo 2020 coming around, the Paralympics and the Olympics are actually held in the same place when they happen. And the United States Olympic Committee and the Paralympic Committee have now made a decision to join. And so they're no longer going to be two separate entities. And so all athletes will be called Team USA. Mm -hmm. And then the Paralympians that win medals will get the same compensation that an Olympian that wins a medal will get. That's amazing. And so it's something that has been around for quite some time, Adaptive Sports. But you are not in the minority by not being familiar with them. And as I said, I, I take sort of ownership of this as well because prior to six years ago as an athlete and then as a person that took care of people with spinal cord injuries i still did not know what these were right so i think that's part of the you know the goal for a lot of the work that we're doing here is trying to increase awareness yeah. around the fact that this exists a lot of people have probably heard about special olympics yeah and sometimes they confuse the two now in the work that i do I want to make sure that I say that there's an importance of the Special Olympics and there's an importance of the Paralympics. They're two separate entities, but all people should have access to physical fitness regardless of your level of competition. And so whether you just need physical fitness for recreation, for therapeutic reasons, or you are someone who is trying to compete at the highest level in the Paralympics, adaptive sports sort of span that gamut and provide an opportunity for all individuals of all competition levels, of all ability levels, to get the necessary and the desired access to recreation or sport.
0: Right. And and as you focus on and, and have become a spokesperson for and become passionate about adaptive sports, where are the hurdles? Where are the difficulties that you're running into, or that uh, you know are giving you, you know roadblocks pauses, things like that?
1: I'd say the first step is that most people just don't know that they exist. Mm-hmm. And so without having an awareness of it, it's difficult to then provide resources for it. And so I think that's step one. But then after that, the reality is also that wherever you are, you might not have a critical mass of individuals to be able to have the same adaptive sports offerings as the community has for something else. You can go into a community and they probably have five little league teams. They probably have two YMCA basketball leagues. They probably even got you know beach volleyball somewhere that people can play regularly. But if you go somewhere you wanna have an adaptive sports opportunity for your child, for your family member, there may not be the number of people there if you think that adaptive sports should be restricted to people with disabilities only that's where sort of my plan and my goal differs from a lot of other adaptive sports offerings is that i don't want adaptive sports to be seen as something only for people with disabilities i want a more inclusive sort of aspect of adaptive sports to say this is a sport that is similar to basketball for example but you need to be in a wheelchair to play, mm-hmm. right? The chairs are different, they're sport chairs. The analogy I make is ice hockey. Mm-hmm. You don't decide and say, you know, Rishi, you know, I'm going to play hockey tomorrow and say, you know what? I don't need any skates. I'll, I'll just play my <laughs> shoes. <things." laughs> right, yeah.
0: you, need the equi- you need to play in the same equipment.
1: Exactly. And so, whether you use ice skates to get around on a daily basis, which I don't know anyone that does that, right? or not, you're going to put on ice skates and play. Correct. With wheelchair basketball, the purpose is that you're going to sit in a wheelchair and play the game.
0: Whether or not you have a
1: disability. Whether or not you have a disability. Now, this is a contentious point because not everyone within the adaptive sports world wants this. Hmm. Because I think some of the reason is that people are f- afraid that if we invite everyone to then participate in adaptive sports, it will limit the opportunities for the people with disabilities that truly need it mm-hmm. because they don't have alternatives. Right. Interesting. Now, what I think is that if we raise awareness to adaptive sports, it will be one of these raising a rising tide, raising all boats scenario. Right. And you'll have more opportunities for people with disabilities than otherwise. So right. right now, for example, I've got two student athletes on campus that are my adaptive athletes, my adaptive student athletes. And one when you say the,
0: they're yours, you cultivated, you brought them, yeah. you recruited them. How, how are they yours?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I claim them as mine because <laughs> the competitive student athlete portion of this program did not exist on campus before I came here. Right. Amazing. And so one of these students is getting a master's degree in social work, and when he matriculated here, the department actually told him about me, and he looked me up and got in touch, and so that's why I, I claim him. The other one is actually a really interesting story in that this young man had his spinal cord injury in Michigan, which is southwest Michigan, northern Indiana area, and when he was in the hospital at which I worked prior to Michigan, people told me about him, and I went to meet him in the hospital oh. right after his injury. He then joined my wheelchair basketball team in South Bend, Indiana. He then You lived
0: in South Bend at the time? I lived
1: in South Bend. Okay. And he, well, he lived in Niles, Michigan. Oh, okay, yeah. He then went out to California after I went to California to do this intense outpatient rehab therapy program. He saw a post of mine on Facebook and ended up talking to his family and his community and was able to come out to California to do that program with me as well. We actually were then aired on a a local ABC affiliate did a story on the two of us about that trip. Hmm. He then matriculated and got into medical, to school here at Michigan. So that's why for that young man, I truly call him one of mine because (laughs) you're truly recruiting yes but but the lucky thing is that this was before I really started putting a lot of the work in to develop a program here Mm -hmm. I had the goal of creating this program here but it hadn't truly come to fruition yet and both of them just sort of fell on my doorstep and so I did not go out of my way to find those two to bring them here They ended up here at the time that I was doing this work, which is really a godsend. Now I am actively recruiting, and four of my prospective recruits were just announced as they are going to be uh, high school Paralympic All-Americans, and so hopefully at least one of them, hopefully all four of them, will get in, and then we'll have four more athletes here next year that will be you know, bring uh, increased visibility, and they've already competed at a high level themselves.
0: It's, a, it's such an interesting, I mean, we're obviously, especially going, you know, being Michigan sports fans, we're uh, familiar with the concept of recruiting, but here you are recruiting for sports, but in a capacity that has nothing to do with, that. like, uh, you're a doctor, you're a spokesperson for adaptive sports, but more in the general uh, inclusiveness aspect but yet you're acting like a coach. You're acting like an athletic department uh, employee, so to speak. Uh, really, you're jack-of-all-trades in all of these different spaces trying to bring the whole the whole game up, so to speak.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting that you pose it in that way because my ultimate vision for this is that similar to Title IX and to women's sports in the NCAA, years ago, women's athletics were not part of NCAA sports. Mm-hmm. And they had a long road and... I think that depending on who you speak with, a lot of people would still say that women's sports are not treated the same as men's sports. Just take the United States women's national team, for example, in soccer, in terms of, you know, gender inequities and salary and compensation. And so women had to work hard to get to be seen as equals within the sports arena in the NCAA. And while this may seem like a stretch to some people, I see this and some of us have sort of affectionately coined this title nine B Mm. because there are people with disabilities that similarly have sports that they compete in at a high level that if you are about intercollegiate athletics, you should be providing the opportunity for all athletes that compete at this level to be able to have access. And so while you talk about being the jack of all trades and acting as if I'm an athletic director and a coach, it's, it's true. And my vision is that eventually all of these positions will exist. And you either have a separate athletic department that is for adaptive sports, or within the same athletic department, you have Paralympians, you have Olympians, you've got athletes with varying levels of physical abilities that then demonstrate that you view all athletes as the same.
0: Right. And, and if, if they were to, if a, if a department of this nature were to mimic the Olympics, then there wouldn't be a separate athletic department. Exactly. It would just be another 10 sports or however many sports that get integrated in. Exactly. And as most anyone in the uh, collegiate uh, athletics community will tell you, 95% of athletes, they're not competing to go pro. They're competing to compete at the highest level or a very high level. And then move on with a career and use those skills and and the the thrill of competition and, and the competitiveness to propel their career in the future. So, uh, why not integrate that in with adaptive sports as well? Absolutely, it's not to go pro. It's not to probably make you know millions of dollars uh, in a in a sports sports field.
1: Yeah, and the thing about it from the physician hat is that this isn't just for fun for many people. Right? While fun is a big part of it, it's good. Without this opportunity for physical fitness, a lot of people's health would not be as good, Mm -hmm. right? And so everyone needs some sort of physical activity. We talk about cardiovascular health, and this is something that we all need to then have some form of exercise. And so what you're providing these individuals that have disabilities is you're really just trying to level the playing field and get them to a point where they'll have the same access as their peers. Because people with disabilities don't have the same number of gyms they can just go to and exercise. You can't just go – maybe go for a run or a walk or wherever things are because the path might not be accessible. You may have whatever it is. And and one of the things I like to highlight is I talk about disability and with adaptive sports, primarily I'm talking about physical disabilities, right? Mm -hmm. But in the bigger umbrella of the world in which I work and the things that I do, disability is not always visible to you, right? There are lots of people that have disabilities that are invisible that also factor into this aspect of inclusion that I'm trying to relate to. And it really then goes to an even bigger Conversation about just diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that we are all different. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses, and our likes and our dislikes and our similarities. And it's the fact that all of those differences make us unique and then allow us to be able to better communicate with the increasingly diverse world that we're living in. That is what this is about. I just have my specific niche being. Adaptive sports for people with physical disabilities. Right. Right. And so this is an opportunity that we have to show that we value the person that's sitting next to us, even if they're different. Right. And there may take some. You know, some time to create a structure that makes sense, right? Like, I understand that it's not as easy as just saying, let's add 10 sports. Right. Right. Actually, I, I want to speak positively about Ward Manuel, the athletic director here at Michigan. I've had multiple conversations with Ward. He's made a lot of time for me to then hear this. And he is supportive of us trying to develop an adaptive sports program. That's great. But he's also just honest about where we are currently mm-hmm. and what role he can play in directly advancing it. Right. So he can provide access to things and help sort of, you know, grease some wheels for me to get things moving, but until we have a more substantial base of individuals that are doing adaptive sports consistently across the country, one individual athletic director is not going to be able to then change the decision of the NCAA right. until then I have a whole group of people that will then say, if we make, let's just take one. If we make wheelchair basketball an NCAA sport, will we have enough teams across the country that will be able to make this something worthwhile? Right. And so I think that it takes people like Ward Manuel stepping up and helping out. Right. But then it also takes grassroots efforts from programs across the country galvanizing.
0: Support. Well, the reality is, is uh, it, it's not a chicken or egg situation. It all has to happen probably at the same time and you can't drop the the league and then expect people to pop up. You have to develop the talent exactly. along the way. You have to show the opportunity while they, so it's going to be a slow build. Right. Um, but this is the, the first step and the work that you're doing is actually having some positive impact. You were telling me earlier that through your talk here that we met at Destination Ann Arbor and they're kind of goal within the Sports Commission to make Ann Arbor a destination for various sporting events, you've had some impact there.
1: Yeah. So I, embarrassingly, to think back to how that even first came about, I think that one of the, you know, the assistant director of Destination Ann Arbor and the Ann Arbor Sports Commission, I forget where she heard about me somewhere, but they had already been thinking about how they want to then provide sporting opportunities for the general community right mm-hmm. they need to do or they want to do a better job of providing these things for the greater ann arbor ypsilanti area and they have some ideas as to a potential facility that they may be maybe be constructing. And they said, you know, what we've realized is that we're missing a population of people. And adaptive sports is something that if we're creating a facility that we're going to then house a whole bunch of sports opportunities, we want to make sure that it's inclusive and accessible. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that, as I said, I give kudos to them here for recognizing that because I don't want to take credit for all the work that's been done here. And something else I need to say very directly is that Michigan is actually just behind. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of other states and other institutions that have well oiled machines of adaptive sports yeah. that are much further along than we are right now. And so, you know, I just spoke to, to a group yesterday about the fact that people talk about innovation and creating new things. That's that's not even this. Because there's a template for what already exists. That I hate to say it. If we look at Alabama, Alabama, who actually, you know, a couple of weeks ago saying Alabama would have, you know, had a certain feeling. But Alabama, if you're a football fan, they've already lost twice this year, and it's a very different. <laughs> they're Alabama. only ranked at the time of this
0: recording. They're ranked like three ahead of us right now uh, in, you know? uh, in the current polls. So. Yes,
1: I mean Alabama's not making it to the college football playoff. But usually, when I talk about Alabama, it, it hurts because Alabama's just been so good for so long. Right. And for them to dominate and adapt to sports too is just a dagger. <laughs> you know, saying that you know, next thing you know Alabama's going to beat us in basketball so you don't even know if they have a basketball that'll never team. happen exactly so be. Alabama with all due respect great job that you're, what you're doing in adaptive sports I mean it they're pioneering adaptive sports in terms of the infrastructure they have they had a 10 million dollar I don't know if the facility was 10 million or if the overall capital campaign was 10 million but Ten million dollars is a number that I know that Alabama raised. They have a facility specifically for Alabama adaptive athletics. They have, I think, thirty or so adaptive athletes per year. That I remember you, sh-
0: you showed a video to us about this facility, and it was—I mean—it was an impressive facility no matter
1: what. Exactly. And that's what it should be, right? right. It shouldn't be some second-rate building because it's for adaptive athletics. It should have the same amount of facility space. It should have the same sort of caliber of equipment. Mm -hmm. And, And that's something that other institutions are starting to come around to. This is the first of its kind for adaptive athletics in the country, is that building. But there's absolutely no reason why it should be the only one. And I think that a place like the University of Michigan has the ability, if we then use the resources that we have, if we galvanize all the support of what exists within the Ann Arbor community, the University of Michigan community, the Detroit area with the interest in sport, there's no reason why we can't have a similar facility here. And what I would advocate for is that the facility here is not just for University of Michigan students. It's for the community that we serve because, once again, talking about the numbers, without supporting the community members that are here as well, you may only have a few students here or there that will then be able to use that until you build the program. But I think the other important part is that oftentimes institutions like Michigan, are viewed by the community as sort of arm's distance and not always doing enough for the community as they could. Mm -hmm. And so I think for this, it's a unique opportunity, I think, to create a program that supports the community, it supports the institution, you know, it supports everybody by saying this is a completely inclusive program that supports the physical accessibility needs for anyone that needs them. because. Everyone else can go to the Y, they can go to your local sports club, and they can get exercise, they can go play pickup basketball, they can play some tennis, but there aren't enough facilities around for someone to then say, I want to go play wheelchair tennis, I want to play wheelchair basketball, I want to do sled hockey, yeah. I want to be involved in some sort of adaptive sport. Right. There aren't enough places that you can just decide to go somewhere else, and so I feel like if the institution creates that type of thing, we shouldn't shut out the community from being able to access it as well. 100%
0: well i I have to thank you again for coming coming on the podcast and uh you know, I think initially when I, we were talking earlier, uh, as I'm still figuring out the format of my podcast and 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 I love to focus on the story, but I think that the point for for me is that the story forms conversation, whether it's just repeating the story because you thought it was cool or memorable, or a story leads into something bigger like Learning more about adaptive sports and and seeing the opportunities and perhaps even spurring something on uh, that's that's also potentially cool. So I appreciate you being the first guest to explore that aspect of it, and it's a great message and something that I'm I'm looking looking into and and forwarding and you know have been have been communicating with you about even and uh, that that wouldn't have happened without you. So I appreciate it.
1: No, but I and I'm going to throw it right back to you, Rishi, because. Something that we did not and I did not directly say is that not only did you meet me here, but since that time we've continued communicating, you've connected me to different people in this community that are part of different tennis clubs to then see if any of those individuals may be willing to then help support that program. And so it's through conversations, it's through relationships that – anything happens yeah. really and so adaptive sports are no different and so Absolutely. i appreciate your time oh, and your your connection in trying to make some networks work here so i think that that's great and i i look forward to other opportunities for us all to, to partner and see what we can do to support each other's
0: efforts all right well if you're listening you won't be able to see that we're about to hug it out so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll end it at that take it easy <laughs> thanks so much <laughs> see ya